Welcome to episode 29 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host, Martin Bushby, and joining me as always is Richard Benson. Hey, Martin, how's it going? Going good, mate. And uh, joining us for the first time this week is uh, Lee Malone from Voices of Wrestling. Lee, thanks for joining us this week. Hey, Martin, thanks for having me. Hey, Benno. Hey, dude. No, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you taking the the time out. And I mean, what a packed weekend of shows we had. I mean, myself and Benno headed down to London on Friday for Red Pro, and Lee was in the house for OTT this past Sunday. And uh, Benno, you also had a big weekend in Blackpool. And the last time I saw you on Friday night, you were falling off a bench in a pub. So uh, <laughs> how was your trip up to Blackpool? Much of a hangover on Saturday morning. Look, man, those IPAs that we were drinking were very, very strong. Um, yeah, it was. You, I think you told me about Monday. You were like, do you remember when we were in the pub and you, and you kind of fell backwards off your stools? Like, it took me about a minute to go. Oh yeah, that is a thing that happened, isn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> those uh, IPAs definitely got the best through me, but it definitely made for a for a better night because the uh, the Rev Pro uh, show wasn't uh, wasn't amazing, but the uh, the night out was good. Uh, the hangover the morning after wasn't the best, and yeah, another night out in Blackpool the night after too. Uh, I was definitely struggling and we're what, four days uh, away now and i'm i'm still paying for it now that's just uh, life in your 30s i think what i did like about you falling off that bench is that you managed to keep your pint in your hand all in time, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's it so yeah, well, i wasn't too far gone i, I knew what needed protecting uh, but yeah god uh, hopefully hopefully uh, we don't have too many more of those things i'm, I'm too old to uh, to take those kind of bumps now my, <laughs> my bumper days are, are well behind me <laughs> Um, I mean, before we get into OTT and Red Pro, I mean, last time on the show, the the news had just dropped about Jimmy Havoc joining All Elite Wrestling. It seems uh, he's not the only Brit that they've announced. Uh, they've also announced today that Superbad Kip Sabian's going to be taking part in the over-the-budget Battle Royale at Double or Nothing in Las Vegas. I mean, obviously, this is great news for Kip. I think I've always found him incredibly charismatic and... Uh, Always uh, enjoyed watching him for companies such as Southside, and he was one of the few highlights from uh, the World of Sport TV show. And and I mean, as we saw with the likes of Jordan Grace at All In, I mean, the Battle Royal can be a, a good showcase for someone like Kip Lee. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a perfect landing spot for someone like Kip, who obviously won't be that well known to the US fans. Um, but yeah, like you say, it's the perfect spot to get noticed, as it were. And if Obviously, they're they're teasing that the winner is going to get a contract with AEW. So yeah, I mean, good for him. I mean, glad to see that uh, AEW are actually taking notice of European indies and seeing who is who are the kind of better workers that are left in the uh, in that aren't signed, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a good point there. I mean, um, it was kind of. I mean, he's been on the Brit scene for a while now, Benno, but kind of uh, out of left field. I thought. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he's someone who's not really, he's been around and he's a name that you see, you know, at random shows. Lucha Forever did a good job. One of the few things they did a good job of was showcasing him. Uh, but you don't tend to, like, you know, we're about to talk about a Rev Pro show that he kind of turned up on after, out of nowhere. You don't really see him on, you know, Rev Pro shows. You don't see him on Progress shows. He's not someone who's, you know, he, He's not someone at that level of a name. Um, so it's interesting that, yeah, he was on the, the AEW radar and it kind of shows that I'm guessing when, yeah, when Cody was over here doing his, his tour not too long ago that, you know, he's somebody that, that he's seen um, and he's just like the look of. He has got a good look. He, you know, looks looks solid, you know, in the, the bits of TV that he got to do last year as well. Um, yeah, a little bit of a an under the radar one, but it kind of shows that yeah, maybe the the AEW uh, scouting is going a bit further than just grabbing all the names. They're they're not going for you know purely quote unquote main eventers. They're going for a guy like Kip Sabian, who you know I don't think the surface has, has really been scratched on on what he can do in, in Brit Res. So yeah, be interesting to see uh, what he can do. You know, with a with a big contract or with if if he gets it from this battle royal or just with like you say the uh, the notoriety from getting to appear on. Uh, one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing, really, isn't it? I didn't consider that. Um, like, you know, there, Cody was on all those Fight Forever shows at the tail end of 2018, wasn't he? And, uh, you mm. know, obviously Jimmy Havoc was on those and Kip Sabian. So uh, interesting that uh, Cody was keeping his eye out there for uh, possible signees for AEW. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, any more Brits join uh, join Havoc, Pack, and Sabian there. And uh, moving on to our, our reviews and uh, over-the-top, Wrestling presented Homecoming 2, um, their first big show of the year this past Sunday at the National Basketball Arena in Dublin. And uh, Lee, I mean, this was the first time they ran this venue and, and you were there on Sunday. How was it? It looked packed out on the VOD. I have to say, I, I was sceptical of them running the basketball arena because any time I've seen a for, set up for wrestling, it's looked very wide open and sparse and the crowds haven't looked great. But I mean... From the moment we walked through the doors, they had the, the merch area and stuff like that. And then you see the ring. It was perfectly in the center. They had a, a great um, screen and kind of they had like a little entrance way, kind of like a New Japan-esque is the way we described it. There was like a little fall off either side. And when uh, wrestlers were making their entrance, they were stepping up onto the ramp. It was re- it looked really professional. It looked great, like to be honest. Um, and then the place, it was jammed. Uh, I know... Where we were sitting, Engo, Angus and Tony Kelly, the commentators, were right behind us. And Angus was saying it was 1,500. Now, to me, from the eyesight test, it looked a lot more than that. <laughs> but it was jam-packed. I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting fans or uh, OTT staff were expecting to see that many people there on a Sunday evening. But, I mean, obviously, I think the video, the, the Star Devlin video obviously tapped into something because there was a huge turnout. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, you brought it up there and a lot's been said about the uh, Crooked Gents uh, Deviling Star hype video, but Benno, that thing was a work of art, wasn't it? It really was. I mean, it's it's going to be difficult to top it, never mind an OTT, but just in wrestling in general. I've gone on record saying it's probably the best, best video or hype video that I've ever seen in wrestling, and it was 
you know, one the the incredible production of it, but two the performance of of both Star and Devlin in the video as well. The if there's a better actor in wrestling than David Starr, uh, I'd like to see him because yeah, you know, he's just mm. he was so perfect as the villain in that thing. Just play it kind of saying you know things that you could kind of go you know what, i sympathize with david star but you know there's this underlying uh, hatred behind it for jordan devlin and he's you know he, he's outright acting that he wasn't bothered that uh that, that osprey was going to replace him in that it was going to take what should be a spot in the tag match but he says it in such a way that you know that it got to him and just the way He'd look at the camera and, and just the little freeze frames they'd show. They got other two of them backstage. There was so much good stuff in that video. I just, I don't think I've ever seen a video that's maybe so desperate to see a match uh, as that. So yeah, definitely doesn't surprise me if, you know, imagine that, you know, a, a hype video so good that it actually increased the attendance. I'm sure it definitely led to a, a few extra people uh, buying some tickets and deciding to make the trip. Yeah, because that thing was everywhere, wasn't it? That was being retweeted by wrestlers all over the world. Sort of like people were really hyped for it. And uh, yeah, and it, fantastic. It was easily one of the best uh, promo packages uh, for a while. And uh, obviously they played that video to start. And then a move that took everyone by surprise. The opener for Homecoming was another than David Starr against Jordan Devlin. I mean, the rumor was that uh, the WWE contracted guys had to be on a plane somewhere else. But I mean... Whatever the reason, I felt this didn't really matter. I mean, the match was absolutely brilliant. Everything you wanted it to be. Devlin coming out to a monstrous reaction. Star playing every bit the bad guy, having the Irish flag theme on his trunks. Uh, uh, Lee, was it the word loyalty in Gaelic that was printed on Star's trunks? I am not the strongest Irish speaker in the world. <laughs> I am not good with my native language, but uh, yeah, I believe Dilshocht is the Irish for uh, loyalty. Um I will say the video playing, there was no build up to it. When when they played the video in the arena, we just thought, oh, it's they're going to play the video, then the show will start. Yeah. And like this, Engel was sitting behind us and wasn't really saying anything himself. And Tony were just kind of there. And we thought, oh, well, they're playing the video. They'll go down and then come out to the ring like normal. They played the video and went right into Devlin's entrance. And I believe on the on the VOD, you can hear somebody show "fuck off" yeah. as soon as I heard that. that. And I think, I'll be honest; I think that's me. <laughs> Brilliant! I actually had that written down as a note. I'm glad we found the man behind it. <laughs> um, I haven't listened back, but I, I could swear I turned to Engo and said something along those lines. Um, but yeah, I mean, it caught everyone off off guard, and from Jordan's entrance. Right through. I mean, the place was absolutely hopping when Jordan was in the ring. And then when Pat Benatar started, <laughs> oh my God, did people lose their minds. Just the absolute perfect callback to everything. And then when he had the T-shirt on, I think he was lucky people weren't jumping into the ring or jumping onto the stage to get at him, never mind Devlin. It was absolutely electric. And then just like like Martin said, the match was just perfect. It was everything it needed to be. And I thought both both guys just played their roles absolutely perfectly, you know. It was, it was absolutely awesome. I think that's kind of like you say, you, I was looking at it the same thing, and yeah, you could, you could imagine a riot coming here. Lucky, like you say, the Devlin was straight out there to, to brawl with, with Star, but I think that, that made it as well, the fact that 
that the star's entrance was just such a, a dick heel move that it, it gave you could see devil and pace in the ring desperate to to get out there and fight with him and it was the perfect move to do because it just meant the crowd the, the crowd were hot for it the starting off first was a an interesting decision but it really worked it didn't even give people time to think about it because they were straight into it with brawling uh, both on the stage and and through the crowds and you, you just didn't get a moment to breathe did you it was like it was just constant constant flow and action there were no long rest spots in this one it was just a constant battle constant hatred uh even when you know there were things like david Starr would hit like a a dive to the outside but the way he hit it and the the aggression that he hit it with and mm-hmm. same with devlin as well it was just it was bleeding with just pure hatred and the crowd for the part were absolutely perfect as well just with the uh fuck you david star chants which were just ab- absolutely deafening on the vod so i can only imagine being there lively and uh and being part of it if it, it would have just yeah something that made me jealous that i wasn't there and it just everything in the match meant something every near fall meant something every big move meant something even the moments when they were when david saw was just talking shit to to devlin uh everything about it was intense and i think yeah they just i was worried with the the huge build-up and the the great video that we meant you know that we saw can can they live up to it and can they deliver a match that's uh you know got the the hatred that's been captured in this video and being captured in this build-up and deliver a match that's you know worthy of all the great builds and yeah it really really felt like they did and this was just something really special that yeah Liam, i'm i'm very jealous that i wasn't there in the building for <laughs> yeah i have to say going in i was I was worried. I wasn't skeptical. I was worried that the match wouldn't live up to everything that had gone into it. Mm. But I have to say, on the night, it was like I say, every everything about the match for me was perfect on the night. Um, I loved Devlin's tights. I know Martin mentioned before, but coming out with the orange, white, and green uh, colors, um, the Irish, the Irish word Dilchot on it. Um, just everything. I mean, I thought he was just the absolute perfect heel on the night. I know uh, people think I'm just this massive David Starr supporter, but for me, he is the best heel in wrestling right now. I don't think there's anyone that comes close as a pure hateable heel when when he plays that role. Um, mm. And I mean, Jordan Devlin is in OTT. I don't think there's anyone that comes close to the reception he gets when he mm. comes out at an OTT show. Anyone in Europe, at least. Yeah, um, definitely not. I mean, everyone's on their feet, chanting, screaming for him. And it's like you say, De- De- I mean, David Starr's been the perfect foil for him. But, I mean, um, obviously, Devlin picked up the winner, pile-driving Star twice. Um, what I liked at the end, he seemed to give Star like, a sort of slightly forgiving pat on the head before he headed to the back with his <laughs> mind fully focused on the big rematch with Walter. I thought that was a nice little little touch at the end of sort of a uh, star sculpt off at the end and uh, this was just a brilliant continuation of the star devlin walter storyline that's been uh that's been perfectly paced uh since they started it last year and uh yeah i mean i mean we've all just waxed lyrically about this match and uh really looking forward to the walter match but i mean there were no rest for the crowd here as next up it was uh Ilya dragon off against sugar hero Irii. i mean um I've got to say, this is the best I've seen Harry since he came across to Europe. Uh, it wasn't too gone on his match with Walter in progress uh, last December, but this was more like it for me. I mean, really hard-hitting affair that you'd expect from Dragunov, um, who picked up the win here. Uh, not sure on the timer on this one, but it seemed to go by lightning quick here, Benno. 
Yeah, it did. I think part of that is it's it's probably as you mentioned, it was in the death spot. Um, I think it was for me. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was a good, hard hitting match. I didn't think. I think I've I've obviously seen Ilya better, but I probably agree with you that Ilya hasn't. His matches have been solid so far, and this was around that level, if not the the best thing he's done. But I did feel all in all, it felt like it was a good match that was happening. It felt like everyone in the crowd was still shell shot from that first match and things that in you know in another in another placement in another time would have got a huge reaction, got decent reaction. Um but yeah, I think it was maybe just a, a victim maybe of the, the placement on the cards. I don't know if you, you can speak to that, Leah, if you were still uh, recovering. Yeah, I mean when the guys come out, they're not they wouldn't be that familiar to the OTT crowd. I mean Ilya only debuted mm. in OTT at a Belfast show just before Christmas. Um and Erie obviously had never appeared before, so I don't think a lot of the crowd were that familiar with either of them. Mm. But obviously being in the, like you say, the kind of death spot after such a, a hype-up match, they, they built up, I thought they built up slowly, and then once the fans were starting to get into it, you could see they were throwing a few more bombs and being a bit more vicious, and I thought they won the crowd around by the end of it anyway. Yeah, I think so. It's like you say, obviously, Ilya, and they mentioned on commentary a bunch of times, they'd only just debuted in Belfast, and uh, and then they were even saying, you know, there's um, a few hardcore fans in the audience who were into his WXW stuff and that. But yeah, like you say, I think they did really win the crowd over. Um, I mean, Benno, we talked about him then. I mean, uh, Iri's been over uh, over in Europe for a couple of months now. Do you think it's been a, a good tour for him, or, or do you think, um, you know, it's not been that spectacular, really? I think it's just been solid all in all. I think it's good that he does seem to be everywhere, you know, RevPro using him, Progress using him, OTT using him, and I'm working all kinds of indies around the UK. I think it's been good from his point of view, just as it's felt, you know, I know he's established anyway, but a, a learning excursion in some ways, just, you know, learning, you know, to work in front of different crowds and learning to work maybe a, a different style than, than he's used to. It hasn't been like a, a big main event run, but neither should it have been. I don't think he's a name that was on a lot of people's lips. I'm sure, you know, there are people who are who are hardcore fans who, who will have known of him. And, and I know some of them myself who are very excited to see him over here. But as Lee kind of just alluded to, I think, and, and as you said, the, the general population hasn't been hugely familiar with him. So it's almost been like every time he's out there, he has to go out and prove himself and show what kind of a wrestler he is as well. Um, and I think he, he's quietly done that, even if he's not made any any huge headlines. I think he's you know gone got along doing his job, making some fans along the way. And yeah, I don't, I don't know how long is he is he supposed to be out here. I know he was uh, staying out in Europe for a little while. I don't know how much longer we've got with him. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a nice little run, even if it's just been little bits here and there with solid performances and not really you know a huge amount of longer term stuff to to write home about. But yeah, I think he's someone who's who's making some fans, and maybe if he does go home uh, soon, we'll we'll see him back over again, and maybe people will be a little bit more familiar with him. Yeah, I think he might be over here for um, another month or so, and then he might round his trip up with uh, doing main weekend, maybe so, and then go back to Japan mm-hmm. after that. So yeah, that um, maybe maybe another month or so. And um, and moving on to the third match, um, I mean. They weren't resting on the laurels here. Next up was uh, two people who teamed up many, many moons ago in Austria, as you learned from the uh, pre-match video with Walter. Um, this was uh, along with the Osprey match. Uh, 
with the two people everyone wanted to see Pat go against once his WWE release was complete, and we got both matches in one weekend. And uh, this wasn't for Walter's OTT Championship, but um, Pat got a fantastic reception as he came out, and uh, Walter threw the OTT belt to the floor in his entrance, showing his disdain for it, similar to whenever Tetsuya Naito had a belt in New Japan. And uh, <laughs> Pac went for Walter's legs with some hard kicks as Walter chased him around the ring to open. Uh, I mean, Pac went airborne, managing to dislocate his finger and quickly pop it back into place in a really, really wince-inducing moment. And uh, the two of them traded clubs through the ropes and quite back and forth for the majority of the match, I thought, while uh, getting the DQ, pushing the ref into the ring apron. But um, a fantastic match up until the finish, I thought. Um, which is kind of a theme of Pac the, over this past weekend. Devlin came out to chase Walter back to the ring and Pac hit the Black Arrow to leave the crowd happy. I mean, Lee, a third great match in a row for this show here. Yeah, um, I when the I think Walter came, or Pac came out first, didn't he? Um, at that point, I think we all just went, my God, there's going to be no end to this. <laughs> um, it was just like, okay, they're getting all the big matches out of the way here and... Uh, I think at that stage, a couple of us had got the memo about the WWE UK stuff, so it all made sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, geez, uh, Pac got an awesome reception. I, I, I know I personally wasn't expecting him to get that much of a, a pop, but geez, it was. It didn't get to Devlin levels, but it wasn't far off. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean the match. I thought the match was great. Um, the finish, obviously, with Pac. It's been a, a recurring team that there doesn't seem to be clean finishes. Um, obviously, this is, it's a political thing with him being Dragon Gate champ. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you covered the whole match. It was it was pretty awesome. The, the sickest part was popping his finger back in, which thankfully I was very far away from and I didn't need to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I loved it. I'm, I'm hoping he'll be back at some point when he's not a champion and we can get some kind of maybe some kind of program with him involving somebody. Who knows? Um, Devlin coming out at the end obviously got a massive reaction again. And another nice little reminder that Devlin seems to have Walter's number, no matter what Walter says, setting up the match next month. Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm a little bit more negative on it. And I think we're going to find that as the show goes on, on, on pack stuff. Um, I'm the impatient fan who can't deal with all this nonsense. I think it's the <laughs> fact that, I don't know, maybe if I was there live, I might have been a bit more forgiving because I think they did do some good smoke and mirrors, you know, in having having Walter get himself DQ'd and, and then going straight um, straight to kind of the, the, the baby face comes out, out comes Devlin, and then you get to hit uh, Packet, the red arrow, and everyone goes home happy. And it is good sleight of hand, but I think there's something about watching a match like this, knowing that that's coming, that just fills me with such dread. Um, again, people people left happy, and, you know, it's, it continues, you know, the, the long march on to, to Devlin and Walter, which is all good stuff. But, yeah, there does come a point with this pack stuff where it's, it is getting... A little bit irritating. Uh, I thought, I mean, both, I don't want to be too down on the match because I think they both did a good job. I think Walter is, a, as you said, dropping the, the title and just being a dick, taunting Pac with slaps and even taunting him in the promo before saying that he was going to be, he's going to WWE too, but he's going to stand up for himself, unlike yeah. Pac. 
I think he's great in that role, and it was interesting maybe adjusting myself as well to seeing Pac as, as the baby face here going, you know, pretty much full board with the with the flying. So, yeah, I think overall they, they did really good work. I think it was... I've got some questions on the, the structure of the card, or I think this is one where definitely shouldn't have gone on last. Uh, I don't think you can go last with a with a finish like what we were in for here. So I think the placement was in some ways about right for this. Um, but yeah, I do find it tough to talk about a match like this that I did it on some level enjoy, but does definitely get spoiled by the finish, even if you know you do nine out of ten, you, know, you kind of know it's going to be happening. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll definitely be touching on that um, a bit later in the show, a bit more about uh, Pac and uh, his matches over here. Um, I mean, sadly, this only dropped uh, on VOD yesterday. I only had a chance to watch the first three matches, but there was uh, a big main event uh, cage match, uh, Kings of the North against uh, Lads from the Flats and uh, Session Moth Martina. I mean, uh, from some of the gifts and uh, some of the pictures I saw from Natalie, that looked uh, pretty brutal with uh, the Session Moth taking quite a number of uh, big bumps in that one. Yeah, uh, I said beforehand it was going to be one of those matches I watch between my hands or between my fingers, and it, it turned out into that. It was it was a kind of weird setup. It was like a war games kind of rules where two start one from each team, and then every two minutes another person is added. Um, obviously the baby faces having the three on two advantage was another very strange kind of thing in play. Yeah. Um, I mean they all worked hard. It was it was. Fine, it was good. Um, Martina and Corvin were the last last two in the match. Um, their stint as the last two in probably went a bit long for my liking. Um, they obviously busted out the thumbtacks and Corvin covered himself in them as as he normally does at some stage in the year. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it was it was fine. It was good. The the Kings retained. It, it wasn't the the way I would have ended the show, but obviously, I think. Um, obviously the WWE guys getting almost getting pulled at the last minute meant they had to shift things around and it was a strange way to end the show Did you manage to see the main event Benno? I didn't uh, based on that review I'm not <laughs> yeah, really excited uh, yeah it came out on VOD yesterday didn't it so I managed to squeeze the first bit of this show in uh, the OTT saving us a lot and uh, I'm putting the big stuff on early but yeah the the later stuff on the show doesn't sound hugely worth a watch uh, if maybe with the the exception of the Osprey tag I was just going to say the Osprey tag is probably the only other kind of must see match from the show hmm yeah, that was him teaming uh, with Davis. Did they take the besties in the world on? They did, yeah. Um, really good match. I think Davy Vegas seemed to aggra- aggravate a knee injury in the match, so that kind of hurt it a little bit. But all the action up until then, I mean, they, he actually finished the match as well, and it was a great match. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the big story was that Osprey was supposed to face Scotty at Scrapper Mania next month, and obviously he's been pulled by New Japan assuming he's going to be in the New Japan Cup and Liger is coming over instead and it's going to be Liger, Scotty Davis. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, now we've finished with homecoming too. I mean, it is all set up Scrapper Mania in March. Anyway, we've got Devlin Mm -hmm. against Walter too. Uh, Another fantastic art video was released today for a rematch of uh, one of the best matches of 2018. Uh, A lot shorter than the uh, Devlin Star one, but it's more of like a training montage to get you hyped up for uh, Devlin and Walter too. And, uh, like you just noticed, noted there, rather, uh, Scotty Davis against Justin Liger and then also British Strong Style are going to be appearing on the show. I mean, Benno, I mean, other than 
sort of like a bit of a weird placement for homecoming. OTT don't seem to be any way affected by all this uh, WWE UK nonsense and uh, be putting it on another stack show on St. Patrick's Day weekend. Yeah, I mean, it depends on, you said, the weird placement of it. Has it been, is there a reason for that? <laughs> I'm a little bit suspicious. Are they, are they trying to get the, the Walter stuff out the way? Um, saying that, you know, the, the, the book in a show where they've got Justin Thunder Liger taking on Scotty Davis, and as you mentioned, also British Strong Style on the show. I don't know how OTT do it, but they're the, the absolute masters of, you know, walking these these weird roads with all kinds of politics going on and keeping WWE happy, but at the same time, keeping New Japan happy enough that they're, they're willing to, to you know, send out a Liger to replace Osprey. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely, uh, again, another stacked card uh, coming earlier in the year for, for OTT. But yeah, I'm really excited to see it. And it's, it's cool that they're, that they're keeping the momentum on. But yeah, part of me is like, how are they going to keep juggling all these these different things and and keep killing it but yeah they've, they've certainly got my attention with that lineup and yeah OTT have by far out of the European promotions been smashing it out the park and doing the absolute best work and and getting their name out there and, and again just being a, a level above anything I would say uh, any of the UK indies are, are doing at this time this year. So I mean obviously we mentioned British Frontal are going to be on the card I'm assuming they're going to be in a six man tag um I mean, who, who can you see him facing up against Lee at Scrapamania? I mean, do they do Kings of the North again, or maybe do a, a more than hype match? Uh, me personally, I'd do the more than hype match, but more than hype are on a losing streak. They're doing like a, they, it's only just recently being mentioned, they're doing like a little losing streak gimmick. They haven't won since probably, I think it's October was the last time they won an OTT match. So I, I don't know how they'd get to that, but Maybe they get a big win on the show. I don't know. Um, the Kings of the North. I don't believe they're a trio anymore. I think it's just Corvin and Dunk yeah. and um, Bonesaw that are wrestling now. I think uh, Duncan may have hung them up very quietly. Uh, other than that, maybe they do Martina and the lads. Mm. Um, I know last year we were supposed to have Martina versus Pete in a match on a show that was cancelled because of uh, the snowstorm. So maybe at the stadium they finally do that one, but I don't know if WWE would want one of their champions doing intergender stuff. <laughs> uh, it, it, I don't know, to be honest. It For me, it'd be more than hype, but they haven't really been built up to it, so I'll leave it, I'll leave it in Joe's hands. He hasn't done us wrong yet. <laughs> so um, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, the, the lineup is stacked, so anybody that they have on, I mean, considering the talent that ran the Fight Club Pro Show the night before, um, it should be an awesome lineup, no matter what it is, and they're building building it as Ireland versus the world. So, yeah, certainly uh, a lot more to come for that show, and um, and also this weekend, uh, Red Pro World High Stakes on Friday. I mean, uh, this company's quickest York Hall sellout of all time, around two hours uh, to sell out uh, the famous venue in London, and obviously myself and Benny were down to watch this one live. Headliner was, of course, the dream match of Will Ospreay against Pack, and I mean. Jumping straight into that main event, the atmosphere had been pretty so-so for the majority of the card, but the crowd really came unglued for Pac and Osprey's entrance. I mean, thunderous reception for both of them. I thought it was pretty slow starting as both were feeling each other out, and of course the two of them started flying all over the ring and around the guardrail. Uh, even saw Osprey getting busted open at one point. And, uh, I mean, 
irrelevantly thought about the rest of the match, the precision of these two guys flying around mm. in springboard forearms, Sasuke specials is second to none. I mean, there's probably only Ricochet up there with these two when it comes to forming these sorts of moves. And, um, and obviously, as we discovered through the night, Red Pro have adopted the Japanese uh, thing of the announcer counting down the time with the uh, poor old ring announcer getting booed all night as he counted down the time for each match. <laughs> and uh, I mean, this pretty much telegraphed the finish in this match as we saw CCK come out around the 25-minute mark to attack Osprey only for Pac to help fight them off. And uh, Aussie Open also coming out to sex CCK to the back. I mean, as the announcer called the five-minute Mark, uh, around the five minute uh, towards the end mark, uh, Osprey hit every finisher in the book, Styles Clash, a Benadrilla, but Pat kicked out or anything. And uh, the finish actually came with uh, Pat climbing to the top rope, flipping off the crowd and let the announcer count down the final 10 seconds with the finish being a 30 limit time draw. I mean, I mean, Benno and Lee, I think most of us knew this was coming. I mean, both men, I mean, both men are either champions in New Japan or Dragon Gate, respectively. And uh, Pac already had his dodgy finish with Zack Sabre Jr. earlier in the year. I mean, for me, I actually thought the match was great up until the finish, even though I knew the finish was coming. And uh, apart from the daft interference from CCK and uh, the obvious lack of clean finish, Benno, uh, I mean, what did you think of the rest of the match, 25 minutes, apart from the last five minutes? Um, <laughs> that's a good way of framing the question. <laughs> um, <laughs> you knew what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, the first 25 minutes were great. Uh, I think you're right that the when they came out, it felt like two big stars. It felt like something changed in that building. The crowd had been relatively quiet, although the undercard didn't give a, a huge amount of cheer up, apart from a couple of other bright spots on the undercard. Um, and it did feel as well like, I mean, one thing I would say watching these two go at it, it was quite clear they were a, a level above anything else we'd seen all night or pretty much most things you'll you'll see in wrestling. Two of the absolute best in the world. And it was getting to see them there live, you know, going back and forth with counters and Osprey, you know, hitting a lot of flying and kind of almost forcing. I felt like a lot of the story was almost forcing Pac to to go to his arsenal and, and hits a bit more flying offense than than maybe the, the bastard character would would want to do. Getting to see that live was, in a lot of ways, absolutely worth, worth the trip. I enjoyed also the story of kind of Osprey hitting the the big moves of his former opponents, you know, hitting six one nines and phenomenal forearms and stars clashes. I think it was Ricochet, Marty Scale, Matt Seidel spots in there as well. Mark, uh, Andy Quilden was desperate on the commentary to get all of those references in and make it clear that's <laughs> what he was doing. But it was clear on the night as well. It was a great little, at first, subtle story until he beat you over the head with on commentary, but still cool. And again, yeah, the, the chemistry of the two, you know, every move they, they hit was hit pretty much flawlessly uh, every reversal the timing of everything was great that's all the great stuff it's just like you say the other stuff that's the unfortunate problem um and yeah i think red pro maybe shot themselves in the foot a little bit by like you mentioned the announcer was very much the the biggest heel on the night announcing the time they've they've only started that you know with that cockpit show that that he was on with that uh, the pack was on with zach Sabre jr and i think he's the biggest heel in the in the room because everybody in the room knew what that meant they knew that the finish was coming but i've got to say uh, even if you do know it's coming it doesn't make it any less shit um and it's just <laughs> one it is a, a big block mark on this match for me it's very hard to separate the the incredible work from those first 25 minutes with a lot of uh, what came after 
I mean, Lee, you watched this on uh, VOD, didn't you? What did you What did you think of the match and the uh, finish for it? See, I, I came into this one prejudiced because I knew that the CCK and Aussie Open interference was coming. I knew what the finish was. <laughs> but I have, I have to say, the first 20, 25 minutes, they were awesome. They, I mean, it really was amazing to watch. Everything was just so smooth. They nailed everything perfectly. Um, <laughs> I thought Osprey's nose getting busted added to the visual of it all. I thought... That that was a great look throughout the whole match. The little looks Osprey was able to give the camera. Um, I loved the tease of the elbow. Uh, obviously, that led to the interference then, which I hated. Mm. But I love I love that he teased that he was going to use the knockout elbow that he used on Ibushi. Um, the I mean, it's hard to talk about the match because the interference was so bad, and then mm. the fi- the finish with the the low blow and begging oh. for a DQ. Uh, and then why why didn't Roberts DQ him? I don't understand why. Because he didn't want to be the heel again. I mean, he got booed out of the <laughs> building against Zack Sabre Jr. He was probably like, nah, I'm not having any of that. <laughs> yeah. um, but, and uh, uh, even the finish, like standing on the buckle and counting down the, the, count, the countdown and flipping off the fans, it's just so, oh. Uh, yeah. I don't get his motivation to do that because he hit moves off the top rope earlier in the match. I don't, like you say, I don't understand why almost wanted to be disqualified. I don't know why he was flipping off the fans and not going for the win, if nothing, but because that's the finish and it was the, the best way they could do it was to put the heel heat on pack. But yeah, from a KPA point of view, a lot of those decisions and including the Roberts one were, were just really head scratching. And I, th- I think you could forgive it as well. You know, as you just mentioned earlier, I think it's the CCK interference that kind of sticks the most. I think mm-hmm. if... Maybe if we were in a universe without the Zack Sabre screwy finish as well, maybe I'd, I would have felt better too. But I think it's that CCK interference that's the biggest thing because you didn't need it. No. They could have just gone 30 minutes, balls to the wall, had an, the incredible match that they were having for the vast majority of this match. Get the time limit draw, you know, maybe do an angle after the match and do that similar sleight of hand that uh, their OTT did. But as it, as it was, CCK and... Aussie Open almost looked embarrassed running out there because they, they knew people didn't want them out there. I don't know if it was part of this ongoing Rev Pro plan to get Chris Brooks over as a heel, which doesn't seem to be working, but I just don't know why why you'd make that call. I think it was, yeah, the finish was going to be disappointing enough, but yeah, to, to take away from the match too is a pretty much unforgivable decision for me. I mean, I cannot... sorry, there you go. I was just going to say, I can only think that the only reason they didn't do a straight up 30 minute draw where they both like went balls to the wall and like they were both knocked out say, at the 30 minute mark was that they don't want to do a rematch. That's mm. the only reason I can think that they didn't do a straight up draw. Well, that's interesting yeah. because obviously Osprey's been all over his Twitter saying he wants uh, 60 minutes this time. And I mean, um, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that got me thinking that maybe they might do some kind of like Iron Man match next time. And I mean, even with the dodgy finishes and you know. Pack is going to have them against any other big name, especially someone with a with another title from a different promotion. I mean, I suppose it, it brings the question here, Ben. I mean, are these matches worth doing to see Walter and Osprey go up against Pack, even though you know you're going to get less than a clean finish here? I think it's it's probably more a case of diminishing returns more than anything. I think it's 
we're all you know the fans of rev pro are smart fans like us they're the type that would listen to a show like this and it's not like we don't know the reason it's happening um i enjoyed the ring announcer by the way referring to osprey as the nevergate champion apparently uh but osprey being the never champion and and pappy and the open the dream gate champion is it's kind of like uh, there's a we know going in that this is going to happen and you're willing to forgive it one time because it's Osprey and Pac but if we know for certain it's going to happen a second time if they go to the rematch I think there's just diminishing returns if we know you know if Pac gets booked for a random indie and faces uh, just to you know pick a name off the sky like a TK Cooper or something uh, and you know he's going to win you know you're getting to see Pac you're not that bothered but when he's in these big positions like on OTT and like here with Rev Pro a match isn't just the match it isn't just the moves it's the it's the you're being pulled into wanting somebody to win or lose and you lose that you really do um and i get why they want to go to a rematch and they want to do more maybe the the thinking that they could do another a second match we could go an hour draw and then by the time we get to the third match well maybe one of them will have dropped the belts and somebody can actually get beat uh but it's hardly CM Punk and Samoa Joe. Uh, and I think that's a good description of the difference. I mean, that was one of the classic indie rivalries of all time, built on Broadway draws. Um, but in that case, you knew that somebody could lose at some point. And I think that's the difference here. We can all admire the work and, you know, throw stars at the at the great work rate in the match. But, yeah, if you, if you know that a finish like this is always going to be coming, I think it's just going to be diminishing returns, especially for Pac. I think he's someone who, at the moment, he's the big match wrestler, but I think, you know, he's not going to be so appealing if uh, we continue to to get this from him on, on every one of his appearances. I think you made some really good points there, because obviously Pac took David Starr on in Defiant, and that was a pretty good match. Obviously, not the best one he's had uh, since he left WWE, but um, and you knew there was going to be a clean finish coming there. I mean, uh, Lee, say we got Pac v. Devlin um, OTT after Scrapamania, even though you knew there'd be some dodgy finish there. I mean, would that be something you'd be excited about? Uh, I'd be excited to see the match, without a doubt. But like Benno said, it's it's known that the finish isn't going to be there. It's getting all that build up, and I and I have no doubt it would build up masterfully again. But it's just known. It, like we all knew with the Walter match, it, it wasn't going to be a clean finish. We enjoyed it, now, despite that fact. But mm. it still it still leaves you cold, you know. Yeah. And it is. It's like Benno said. You'd almost rather face anyone else. And you're going to get your pack match. It might not be as good, and it's not going to. You're not going to be as hyped to see it. But I mean, you're still getting your pack appearance and seeing all the cool moves, or whether he's the bastard and he's the heel and he doesn't want to do the flying. But you're still getting to see him, and I'd almost rather that now. If if he were to come back to ODT, I'd rather see him against somebody that isn't science. Yeah, it's, it's a, like he's working Jody Fleischen, TNT in Liverpool tomorrow, and I'm still considering going for that same reason. That I know it's going to be an easy pack win, and I know a you know a promotion like that it doesn't mean a lot. The the pack can't lose, but yeah, I mean maybe I'll piss some people off. But it, Dragon Gate is not you know in the UK and the US isn't you know this huge draw isn't this big thing, and if packs having to walk around and go well i can't lose because i'm the dragon gate champion if i'm a promotion like rev pro or progress if they decide to book him or somebody with a name like, like an ott at some point i'm gonna go you know what i'm not gonna book you anymore um 
And I think that's going to be a problem. I think Osprey will get away with it. You know, that happens with New Japan too, doesn't it? New Japan champions don't can't can't lose in big singles matches. I mean, Osprey's lost a lot over the last two years in in Brit Res anyway, so he's kind of earned his stripes. But I don't know, you get you don't get the same heat there. I think people kind of uh, accept it. Um, but yeah, I wonder whether it will start to sneak in and get him back. I know he, he works heel anyway, but get him some more negative reaction and. Yeah, maybe people won't be as excited going forward for his big matches, and instead, maybe people will be like, "Yeah, great, I'm seeing Pac," but maybe they'll be sighing a little bit more than anything, which is a, a bit of a sad state of affairs. But you say all that, you put Pac Osprey back in front of me, you say it's going to be an hour, you know, getting to see those two guys do their thing. Maybe that's still a draw. Maybe that's still a draw for some people, and uh, I'm sure. In fact, it's not even a maybe, isn't it? It would be a draw for, yeah. for a lot of people, and, and you can get away with a big match like that. It's just maybe if this goes much longer that uh, maybe it becomes more of a problem. It'll be interesting to see what he does over Mania Weekend as well, and especially if he's booked mm. on a Red Pro show, what they do with him there. But, um, I mean, moving away from Pac and on to um, another highly anticipated match on this Red Pro show was a rematch from last year's Summer Sizzler. So, Aussie Open and uh, the John Gresham and Chris Books version of CCK have one of the best Red Pro matches of 2018, and a uh, a lot of people are expecting another great match going into this one, and um, I've got to say, this was all over the place. Loads of stalling at the start, some mild attempts at comedy with the Aussies making fun of Grisham's size compared to Mark Davis. Uh, I mean, this match just didn't get going at all. I'm not sure what they were trying. Even when it picked up at the end, it was already too late. Everyone was talking amongst themselves. CCK picked up the win. I get they didn't want to have the same match as last year, but with all the hype going in, this was a massive disappointment. The crowd was muted for most of it or confused for a lot of it. I mean, this match before intermission and going outside, I mean, everyone was talking about my, what a mess it was here. <laughs> Absolutely terrible, yeah. And I would never would have called that going in. Uh, I think a lot of people would be a lot more positive on this card if this thing had delivered to... I mean, maybe it's unreasonable, but they absolutely killed it last time they were in your hall. And in fact, I don't think it's unreasonable for people to expect them to to go out there and maybe do something comparable. People were expecting a sequel, and instead we got terrible Chris Brooks comedy and nonsense with them outside the ring, and like say nonsense with Gresham's height and just a lot of gaining and comedy and, and bullshit really and it just it wasn't a match and it kept feeling like watching it they're live in the building okay they're gonna start now okay they're gonna yeah. start now okay you know I, I maybe I was the lone man but I absolutely loved the LAX CCK match from Progress and a lot of the reasons people didn't like it that Manchester match was they wasted the first five minutes doing comedy and I was thinking it was going to be the same thing here they'll wait maybe they'll waste some time and we'll get going at some point but we just never got going I don't know what they were all thinking Tony Khan from All Elite Wrestling was in the crowd. He didn't uh, make the best impression on him, I wouldn't imagine, unless, or maybe maybe he is into that kind of stuff, being a, a fan of the Elite. But yeah, I, I don't understand the logic of, of this match. They were given half an hour, and my God, did it feel like every bit of that half an hour. It just felt like they were they were filling time. It was supposedly the first half main event, and it, and it was anything but just a, an absolute head-scratcher. And yeah, just don't know i'm a fan of pretty much all the wrestlers in this uh chris brooks i can give or take but in a tag situation with gresham i, I very much expect them to deliver i've seen him deliver all this year and yeah it was just a a real uh crushing disappointment and uh, for me by far the, the maybe not by far because there were a couple of week week matches on the car but pr- my contender for the worst match of the night if not the the most disappointing 
Especially with Aussie Open. I mean, they were like up there with Tag Team of the Year last year, weren't they? And they had some absolute mm. bangers in your call and in progress. I mean, did you have you have a chance to watch this abomination, Lee? <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> um, yeah, again, obviously I knew coming in what, what the match was like. Or I had heard, I didn't know what it was like. And yeah. I was so disappointed. Um, it just at least, never at least with Osprey and Pack. You know, you've got 25 minutes of great work rate to come, but I can't even imagine knowing what, knowing that you're going to get 25 minutes of CCK comedy, uh, motivating yourself to watch this one. I'm, I'm impressed you managed to get through it, Lee. Do you know what? I didn't even know there was 25 minutes with Osprey Pack because I had heard all I'd heard was about the finish. I didn't realize that the first 25 minutes were so great. Mm. But I mean, this uh, I said it to somebody previously. If you told me CCK, the Gresham edition, and Aussie Open had 29 minutes to have a match, I'd be expecting a tag team match of the year. I, and, and I'm not even messing saying that. I'd, I would be expecting something special, especially in your call. But this felt, this felt like an attack match. It was pure comedy. And it was... And when it did try and get started, nobody cared. And like you guys said, people were off talking. And it just... It was so bad. I, I was really, really disappointed. I think we, um, hopefully we can just chalk this up to um, an off night or God knows what was going through any of the minds. Because, yeah, like I know we're there. I mean, Aussie Open were like having banger after banger last year, weren't they? So, yeah, I think uh, maybe we can chalk this one to like, um, don't know. I don't know what we Read can the room up to. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> we won't see any more of this uh, from these four guys this year. But, um, I mean, there were a few other highlights on the show, I thought, Benno. I thought... Uh, MJF against El Fantasma was a fun match. Uh, not seen much of MJF, I've got to say, but his heel work was perfect here, especially against Fantasma, who's really over in Red Pro now. And I thought they matched up really well. Lots of great flying from Fantasma, picking up the win, and a, and a, a nice match to bring us back after intermission, I thought. Yeah, this was a sleeper hit for the dice. It was like, I like someone like MJF being on shows. I think he, he gives you something different, doesn't he? As a full on, 100% committed heel. And I maybe expected a bit of a Styles Clash here with El Fantasmo, but it was the best kind of Styles Clash, wasn't it? You had El Fantasmo kind of, you know, throwing in the big fly and doing that crazy moonsault where you almost took out the the ceiling lights. And you've got MJF healing it up and just trying to avoid El Fantasmo's flying. Uh, even there was a point, wasn't there, where I think it was the yeah, it was in fact the finish where LP was going off the top for a splash, and MJF kind of rolled out the way and gave him a finger, but still got caught with the splash anyway. Just brilliant. Just a, a clash of styles that I wouldn't have expected to work, and it really did. I thought uh, MJF walked out. Uh, I saw a lot of him this weekend, but he walked away from Rev Pro with his stock risen, and I think with El Fantasmo, there's, there's maybe uh, some way to go with him still, but He's definitely got a charisma, you know, whether it's the, the wacky rope walking or, or what. He just, he seems a lot more confident and, yeah, he really delivered here in a spot that I didn't expect him to. And it, it did turn into one of the better matches of the night, surprisingly. Before we get your thoughts on the match, Liam, has Phantasma appeared much in, in Ireland? It's, he seems like he'd be tailor-made to do like OTT or some of the smaller promotions. He's been, I uh, know he's been on at least one contender show. I can't remember if he's been on any more than that, but that'll tell you how much of an impression he left if he was. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do remember he was on definitely on one contenders, but I have to say I was impressed with this match. Uh, I mean, not to parrot Benno too much, but it would have been a match that I was kind of like half paying attention to. Mm. 
But then once it really picked up, I was like, oh, okay, this is actually getting going. And uh, like Ben, I love the finish. With a, it was a perfect MJF finish, I think, with him rolling out of the way and thinking, ha ha, I have you here, I'm too far away. And then the big splash, I thought it was really well done. And um, I get the sense that El Fantasmo is kind of winning over the a lot more the RevPo crowd now than he yeah. probably has before. Um, obviously, you guys were there, so you it now better. But just from watching the VODs, he seems to be getting more and more support as the shows go on. Yeah, definitely. I think he's, he's been utilised uh, the his best in Red Pro. Um, so yeah, I think I was quite surprised at the reaction he got because I think there were a lot of casual fans in the audience who were mainly there to see Pack and Osprey. So yeah, I think he's a. Uh, He's uh, doing pretty well in Red Pro. And, um, I mean, just to go off on a little sidebar, I mean, whenever we talk about All Elite, it's always like, oh, well, Adam Page is going to be the big uh, come-through star there, and obviously they've got the Elite. But for me, yeah, Benno, I think MJF is going to be, like, one of the uh, standouts of that promotion. I thought he was absolute tons of charisma and uh, just the great swagger he had. I think he's going to be uh, perfect for um, whatever TV deal they get, I think. Definitely, yeah. He's great in the uh, in the elite YouTube shows as well. Kind of being that dick behind Cody Rhodes' back, who's pretend, pretended to be his friends, but really he's he's still the the dick MJF we all know and love. Uh, yeah, I think he's great. I think he's someone. The fact that he can talk at the level he can, I think there's only on the indies. I think it's him and Ethan Page for me who are the two best talkers on the indies. Both similar wrestlers, but I do think MJF's got a little bit more to offer uh, in ring uh, than Ethan Page does. And yet, still young, still with you know all of the potential in the world. It, I mean, it was only last year when we were looking at progress as WrestleMania weekends and. We were reading out his name, and I didn't even recognize the name. Is it Maxwell Jacob Friedman? Yeah. At the time, yeah. I was like, who's that? And I was like, oh, yeah, that MJF guy that, that I vaguely heard about. And, yeah, over this last year, he's he's built a name. He's going to build a, an even bigger name being on All Elite. And, yeah, if uh, if this performance is anything to go by, I think he's, he's again, he's someone fresh the, the, you know, with, with the likes of, you know, Hangman Page and, and other people of that level who, uh, you know, All Elite could really uh, make a star out of. I think um, just before we move on as well, uh, another match I wanted to uh, note here was a uh, team white wolf against besties in the world. I thought this was um, mm. it, it wasn't to the level of uh, some of the other stuff on the card, but I thought uh, Aiken and Carlos Romo making the York Hall debut against Davy Vega and uh, Matt Fitchy. Um Besties aren't a team that I've seen much of, but I thought the crowd was fairly quiet to start off with. But both these teams worked really hard and uh, woke everyone up in the second match. Uh, some. Really innovative offense, especially seeing the besties combine a giant swing into a shooting star press. Uh, yeah, really impressed with both teams here. White will picking up the win, but uh, two good teams, and I think uh, definitely should uh, both be uh, working more in Red Pro, maybe more in the UK as um, as uh, 2019 continues. Um, so all in all, a really up and down car, not the best your call show I've ever seen. Um, yeah, it was sort of like like you noted earlier, Benno, it wasn't the best on the card, but um, some cracking stuff in the main event outside of the finish, and uh, yeah, and, and some uh, and you can see some building blocks here, I think, Benno. Sort of if they are bringing White Wolf back more often and besties in the world and people of, of that ilk. Yeah, I think the the strongest thing Repro have got going right now is the tag division. 
So, yeah, I think those names, the besties, you know, making a bit of a name for themselves on this show. And, yeah, Team White Wolf, who uh, hopefully we're going to see a lot more of in, in Rev Pro going forward, uh, add something interesting. The only problem there is that the, the tag belts are, are very much on ice with, with Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, I wonder whether, the you know, the finish to to the uh, CCK uh, match and CCK Aussie Open was maybe an idea of maybe they can go down the three-way route and one of those teams can win the tag belts from Suzuki and Zack Sabre without beating them. That's kind of a bit of a a conspiracy theory I'm working on that maybe could happen. So, yeah, I don't know, some positive things on the tag division there, but I don't know if I I completely share your optimism. I thought uh, there wasn't much to talk about with the women's division coming out of this show. If anything, the B Priestley and Zoe Lucas match just made me think, well, God, the the depth in the women's uh, scene in general in Brit Res is is a little bit worrying right now. But yeah, I think, I mean, they're they're trying to do push Josh Bowden. You know, they got this tag thing, and again, another tag thing going on with which are Samuels, which I suppose gives him something to do after largely spinning his wheels, uh, aside from some of the stories he's been doing on cockpit shows. Uh, and I suppose El Fantasmo is a bit of a, is one to watch. They've still got that big blow off to do with, with David Starr too. So not all doom and gloom, but definitely not, you know, not a show that uh, I would tell people to desperately check out and, and not a show that I think showed the, the best of RevPro right now. If anything, it kind of maybe shown that RevPro is a little bit stretched right now. And as much as, you know, I kind of applauded them for booking Pac Osprey in the main events and trying to fill the undercard with interesting, you know, undercard traditional RevPro matches away from the New Japan talent. Uh, it kind of shown that, yeah, away from the New Japan talent, there's still a lot of work to be done uh, with RevPro. And uh, again, I know that there were things that went wrong with this card, and I'm expecting a two Andes podcast to come out to uh, explain where where everything went wrong. Uh, but again, yeah, definitely not the the best example of a of a RevPro show to some show to somebody, and possibly uh, the worst York Hall show uh, that that a RevPro have done in, in the last couple of years too. I mean, Leah, uh, Red Pro, usually a promotion you keep up with, or do you kind of just cherry-pick matches that you see that people have uh, rated highly? I normally just cherry-pick. Um, I I did watch all, all of this show, but, yeah, normally I kind of just dip in and out. Um, it's not somewhere I kind of follow as closely as other places. Any other but, final thoughts on the show before we uh, move on? Uh, I mean, I I enjoyed it. It was it was okay. It wasn't anything special. It wasn't blow away. It wouldn't have me aching to go back and watch the next one. Really, there didn't seem to be like a ton of storyline stuff either. Like it, it, no. it was just kind of it was just kind of matches for the sake of matches to get the Osprey pack. Really, mm. yeah. I think Red Pro is always a tough watch on VOD for that reason. I think the the big matches work when you're live there. But yeah, when when it's just match after match and they're throwing things out like and Kip Sabian and MK McKinnon or Bottom and and Helico too, you know, with, with not a huge amount of stake assigned to them, it, it does make it a tough watch on VOD. Mm. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably say yeah, it, it probably wasn't. Unfortunately for you, Lee, wasn't the, uh, the best one. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean this weekend wasn't over for you, Benno, as you headed up to Blackpool for uh, Preston City Wrestling, their annual two-day Road to Glory event, and uh, Filthy Tom Laurel and Jeff Cobb, as well as MJF, made up the uh, big imports on the show, mixed in with the usual PCW roster. I mean, how were the events and uh, your weekend in the Vegas of the North, Blackpool? 
Yeah, well, I didn't fall off any benches, so that, that's a win. <laughs> uh, and in Blackpool, to be honest, that's an achievement. Uh, it's a hell of a place. Uh, I know some of the, the import wrestlers were kind of marveling at it. Compare, you could probably, for anyone American or Canadian, it's a little bit like Coney Island, but mainly just at the end of the Warriors when it's completely deserted and it's uh, an absolute hellhole. That's kind of, <laughs> in a lot of ways, Blackpool. It's a seaside resort and... You know, people go. People still go there for the for, for the vacation, for the holidays, and people still go there to for big nights out. Um, but it's definitely seen better days, and yeah, part of their re regeneration, regeneration, uh, rejuvenation uh, that they're trying to do in Blackpool is, I believe, the council um, allows PCW to to run some of their big venues. So this was in Blackpool Tower, which is literally underneath Blackpool Tower, which is Blackpool's mini version of uh, the Eiffel Tower, uh, just maybe not as good. But it's a beautiful venue. It, it's it's mainly it's the Tower Circus. It's mainly built for for circus acts, and you can very much tell when you're there. It's really like a beautiful walls and seating, and then a big circle area on the floor for you know for circus acts and for for other performers to work as well. So it's it's something just to be there and see a ring in the middle. Um, I would say that yeah, unfortunately, maybe the fact that it is uh, a lot of it's put on by the council and. PCW uh, were putting some, uh, doing their tapings for Fight TV UK, so they weren't really putting the best foot forward as far as that too, because really the place was pretty much empty. It was surprisingly empty. Again, I don't know whether it's the the lack of reason to to give it a bigger push. I mean, tickets were only fifteen pounds, and there were four shows over the weekend. I mean, that's that's ridiculous value uh, as far as wrestling goes. So how many people um, would you say were there for like the uh, for the bigger shows? A hundred, maybe, and it was the same people over and over again in a in a venue that could easily fit. I'd probably say a thousand five hundred. They moved a lot of people down to the front. Um, I think in the hope that it would look better on the eventually when it when it goes on TV. But gone gone are the glory days, Martin, of the old PCW, and it was the the hottest indie act in the UK where they bring in all these big names and they'd fill the uh, the Evoke nightclub in Preston. If anything, the Evoke nightclub probably would have been a better. And I, I know they probably don't get that one for free, but might have been a better setting for this because as yeah. lovely as the place was. When a building's empty like that, it, it does take really away from awkward, it. Isn't it? Yeah. it. It really is. Yeah, and I believe they've done better in the past than this building, but maybe it just tells you where where PCW are up to these days. Can it? And it is a shame because all in all, I think it's a good product. Again, this was supposed to be a, a singles and a tag uh, Road to Glory tournament like they did last year, but they just ran with the singles tournament and did the TV tapings. And they're really, really well booked as a promotion. I think they, they put together um, something a product that would look good on TV again, if it was in front of more people, I think that's, that's kind of the big problem because the booking's really good. I mean, they've got tons of top heels. Uh, there's the, the buyout to uh, shake El Sham, tell Barnum, Danny Hope and big T uh, shake El Sham kind of plays a rich uh, shake character. Who's he's still relatively new to wrestling, but he's got a lot of charisma. He kind of, carries the act and they kind of stack these big heels against baby faces uh if anything maybe they could do with a couple of fresh baby faces i don't know how many people are hugely familiar with joey hayes who's a bit of a staple in the in the northwest over you know the last 10 15 years he was in the manchester massive he did a little bit in one pw as well but he's one of those people unfortunately has been a bit left behind uh you know when itv and nxt uk came calling and the bigger indies come calling someone who's never been snapped up uh but he's still good he, he won 
won their Road to Glory tournament, had some really fun matches along the way. Uh, they got Philip Michael on the undercard, who's uh, one of their trainees who gets used a lot, and the fans do like him. He's got potential, but I don't think he's quite there yet. Uh, so, yeah, if, if one criticism I'd say over these shows is maybe they need a, a couple of bigger baby faces to go against these heels. But all in all, you know, considering how much I paid for the shows over the weekend, I can't complain too much because there were lots of fun matches there. There were lots, of, like like you said there, there, Martin, you know, lots of imports, getting to see Tom Lawler first time Tom Lawler's been brought in by a Brit Res promotion. Uh, I believe he's coming back too. I can't believe you know, if Rev Pro are looking to fill their undercard, Tom Lawler's doing such great great work yeah. on MLW and had two great matches with Jeff Cobb over this weekend. Uh, he's someone that you'd expect them to bring in, but yeah, it's kind of cool to get, him see, get to see him in this PCW environment. There were some interesting imports over the weekend. Jackson Stone and Franco Varga, two names I wasn't familiar with, but PCW do give you know, guys like that a chance, um, as well as, you know, their, their existing guys. Um, so yeah, plenty of positive to say there. It's just a, a real shame it, it didn't happen in, in front of more people, really, because there were great moments. Uh, Joby Hayes was kind of the star of the weekend, winning both the Road to Glory tournament and winning PCW's belt at the end from, from Tel Barnum after a, a weekend of hijinks in Tel, Tel Barnum Stable. And yeah, they've got they've got a lot of good wrestlers there. You know, they're the promotion who constantly bring in the likes of Sugar Dunkerton as well, who people you really should be seeing everywhere. He looked... As far as the TV goes, he's someone with a lot of charisma. He had an absolutely brilliant promo battle with Joe Hendry that was, for my money, better than any promo I've seen on NXT UK or ITV World of Sports. So maybe that's something to look out for when uh, when uh, PCW ends up on, on Fight TV. But all in all, yeah, as fun as it was, it was just a, a little bit depressing to be there in in not huge numbers and to kind of think of yet yeah, the the glory days of, of PCW having gone by because as far as an in-ring product and as far as a, a storytelling product, they, they, they really are doing great things. It's just, yeah, not many people are there to see it. Yeah, and it's like you say, I mean, these aren't guys that you're going to see all over the country and I'm not saying they're like major stars or anything, but, you know, they've got their own mm-hmm. unique roster to PCW, aren't you? And, you? and you think, you know, that'd be a draw for some people. And like you say, Sugar Dunkerton is somewhere who's been used a lot in a lot of promotions, but not a lot of this sort of like bigger name promotions, which is uh, kind of <laughs> weird, I think. So he's, uh, he's, he's got bags of charisma and he's uh, great in the ring. So it is weird that uh, he, isn't, he isn't being used um, yeah. Or sort of like high profile promotions. But yeah, it's like say, you know, with likes to tell Banham, Shake El Sham, they're all being they're all, you know, uniquely PCW guys. So yeah, they've got their mm. own their own thing going on there where people are saying, Oh, you see the same guys in all the all the promotions around the UK and they're uh, carving out their own niche, aren't they, really? Yeah, that's it. And from a company point of view, that's good. But for, yeah, for the wrestlers that you mentioned, that their names that hopefully we're going to see somewhere. So yeah, if people don't take anything other than this, their names still hold for genuinely. Uh, they're two re- Sheikh El Sham and Tel Barnum are two wrestlers I'm very high on. Big T, someone who people see around the country doing security. I think he did the tear in Riptide. Uh, promotions like that um, are the types of places that'll hopefully take a chance on some of this this younger talent, and we'll get to see elsewhere. And yeah, the likes of, like you say, Sugar Dunkerton, who had a brief run on Impact, but other than that, 
you don't see in a lot of places. Uh, really charismatic wrestler, who again, I really do help you, hope you see see elsewhere as well. I'm, I'm glad PCW have got their own identity and they are doing you know, things that are a little bit different. But yeah, it would be nice to see some of some of their talent spread their rings as well. But all in all, fun weekend. It was worth it just to get to to go to sunny Blackpool um, <laughs> and enjoy the the sights that that that, that are there. Um, it's still full of. Uh, crappy arcades, uh, fish and chip shop on every corner. You can buy rock and sweets on, on every corner as well. And good God, the thing that people look come out at night. I think uh, I believe the wrestlers had a bit of a night out and were getting uh, harassed by some of the the local women. But that's what you get when you're when you're in Blackpool. So maybe it was worth the trip for them for that, um, as well as uh, getting spotted by potentially new fans and uh, getting a bit of a, a learning excursion in some ways coming out to the UK. Well, uh, great stuff, obviously. Yeah, Tom Lawler, I mean, he, he's uh, been in Vegas quite a bit, so I wonder what he did make of uh, our version of Vegas Blackpool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, anyway, I mean, moving on to uh, NXT UK, and um, the last two episodes of uh, NXT UK have seen the final tapings from Blackpool and the first tapings from Phoenix and uh, Royal Rumble weekend, and not really much to get your teeth into. Walter had his second match on NXT UK against Mark Coffey in Blackpool, Quite surprising for me to see Walter was on the back foot for the majority of this match uh, before beating Coffee. Uh, quite odd since they seem to be going down the route of building up Walter as a monster. We also saw Mia Yim face off against Ginny from the Phoenix tapings to a totally, totally dead crowd as things were all filmed at Access. I mean, we seem to be in a similar holding pattern to the as we were at the tail end of last year. I mean, not a great deal seems to be happening. There's no takeover to build up to, and the matches just seem to be happening for the sake of it. Um, I mean, obviously, the next couple of tapings are the ones that are recorded in Phoenix, so uh, I get I get that they're cutting down on costs, but uh, the small crowd here really weren't into anything other than Pete Dunne. And uh, tonight's episode that airs as we record this, uh, we've got Walter against Cassius Ono. I mean, should be a great match on paper, depending on amount of time they get and whether the crowd is as quiet as they were last week and uh, just a couple of news notes I mean the tapings at the Coventry Skydown are coming up at the end of February and they've also announced that they'll have tapings in Glasgow on the 19th and 20th of April they're going to be at the Download Festival from 14th to 16th of June and Plymouth on the 19th and 20th of July and um Lee, I mean, is NXT UK something you've been keeping up on? I know you weren't um, a fan of the takeover, similar to me and Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's fair to say that I was the fan of it anyway. <laughs> what did you give the main event again, Lee? <clears throat> One star. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and, and that's, Send your hate mail to Lee. It deserves that very much one-star match. Um Yeah, I, I kind of dip in and out. It's not something that's essential viewing for me. Um I I dipped in for Walter's debut. I watched the match with Kofi, which I didn't really enjoy because, like you said, he was on the back foot far too much for someone they're trying to build as this monster. Um, And then I watched all of last week's show, the Phoenix taping, and, God, it's depressing. It's so, so... Like, how disheartening must it be to be a wrestler that comes out to absolute crickets in a convention hall with, like, what, 100 people, maybe? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And it's just so, it's so disheartening, like, just to watch them. And, I mean, you hear Nigel and Vic on commentary, and I know they're they're trying to make it out to be this big deal, but, God, it's just so bad. Um, Ginny and Mia had a a good match, but, again, when when they're getting no reaction, it's hard to get into it. Um, 
Pete and Wolfgang was just an, an average WWE main event type match. It wasn't anything special again. So, yeah, it's just very much just like you watch it and you go, what's the point? Yeah, that, oh, that is the that is it. It's like, what's the point of this? Yeah, I think we've been saying that for a while, haven't we, Benno? Yeah, it, it's what's the, life is too short for a show that's that, that that first show of the two that have happened since we last recorded. It had Mark Andrews, a Mark Andrews singles match against Liguero. It had Wild Boar against Joe Connors, and it had Ashton Smith against Joe Coffey. Life is too short to watch those matches. Like I, I think I rated them all on the grapple off about one star and a half. Just the pure indifference from the British crowd to those matches, to the hungover uh, Blackpool crowd to that match. Thinking of Blackpool to those matches. Mm-hmm. And then you take it abroad. It's just such a, a disastrous decision because I just don't get I, I mean, those specials they did over Rumble weekends, it, it was the same crowd here for, for the second week that we're kind of talking about. And it's the same crowd, like you said, we're going to have in weeks going forward. And it's the same non-interested crowd. And I've just got a strong feeling they're going to be doing stuff at, at WrestleMania weekend in front of as well. Uh, I just don't get it. I mean, there's... If the British crowds don't care about, you know, the Wild Boars and the Joe Connors on the mid cards, why would US crowds care? Why would US crowds care about that that Dunn Wolfgang match, which was, I mean, it's Pete Dunn's not exactly had an incredible year over the last 12, 12 months. He's just been, you know, in, in solid matches, pretty much not, you know, big matches to write home about. But my God, was that Wolfgang match a drag? Probably the worst Pete Dunne match I've seen in a long time. And, and that's even counting, you know, a lot of the, the average TV matches that he's done. And, you know, Dome Dar against Jordan Devlin. Who, how, how do you bore me with a Jordan Devlin match? But they somehow they find a way. Um, and yeah, I can't say I'm looking forward to these next few weeks weeks of TV because, yeah, the the one big thing about Brit Res is, uh, and, you know, and, and IRS too is we've got these great crowds and. <laughs> You know, you that that's the big selling point. So if you're going to come into a to an area and kind of try and take over and and try and put on this NXT UK, you take that out of it, and what are you left with? And it's you know Pete Dunne against Wolfgang. I just yeah, I, I'm not excited about the weeks going forward, and yeah, with with nothing really to aim for right now, I'm not hugely uh, excited about NXT UK in any event. Well, I mean, you noted Mark Andrews there. I mean, they've just turned him into just another guy, haven't they? And this is a guy sort of like a couple of years ago was sort of like headlining progress shows and was like, you know, and and he had obviously the match didn't live up to it, but he had that sort of like great feud going on with Eddie Dennis. We not even just Mm -hmm. even in NXT UK, but I mean, what is he currently up to? He just seems to be treading water quite a bit, doesn't he? Yeah, it's just interchangeable guy number five with with Alagero on NXT UK, and yeah, yeah uh, I mean, I think he's done everything he can do in progress, and with the WWE relationship, he's not going to be able to. There's not many other places he can he can realistically work. So, this is kind of Mark Andrews right now, and yeah, you're right. He's one of the wrestlers who you put him on a card two years ago. I'd, I'd probably be really excited, but right now he's on he's on TV. I can watch him every week if I like, and I just kind of roll my eyes. Yeah, I think, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's a more we can much say on that. I mean, um, I mean, Lee Cassiusono against Walter. I mean, that looks like a, a banger on paper. Do you think that girl will be able to drag the the crowd up uh, for this uh, next taping they've got? No. <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, Ono is just such a weird one. Like he, his matches should be great, but they just aren't. Mm. Um, I mean, we've seen the riddle matches. They were all 
a couple, like the, la- the last one, the last takeover one was good, but it never gets to that next level with him. And I don't know if that's because he hasn't got it left in him or he's just not allowed. So, I mean, I'm not going to expect great things out of Walter match. If it's good, all well and good. It's it's another good match. If it's not, I'll just shrug my shoulders and not watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of that's going to depend on the crowd there, really. But yeah. uh, you know, for, they'll know they'll know. Oh no, uh, I think Walter's got enough of a reputation that he'll be similarly over to it. The, you know what Pete Dunne at least was on his entrance this week. Uh, maybe there's a bit of hope there for that match. But yeah, that's uh, probably the best of a of a bad bunch that we've got these next few weeks coming up. And uh, before we head out of here, I've got a couple of previews. I mean, um, WXW are holding their biggest event of the year, 16 Karat Gold, on the 8th, 9th and 10th of March in Oberhausen, Germany. And uh, you're off to this one live, and they've already announced some exciting things, haven't they, Benno, for the weekend? Yeah, they have. It's uh, it's it's already shaping up to to be a great carrot. Um, as far as the the lineup of the tournament goes, we've got a really stacked lineup this year. You know, Avalanche, Daisuke Sakamoto, Mark Davis, Axel Dieter Jr., Ray Phoenix, Luffy, Lucky Kid, Ray Horace, Jan Simmons, Chris Brooks, Tim Thatcher, Pentagon Jr., Ilya, Walter, Irie. It does look like a really stacked weekend, and David, you know, David Starr's in there too, and he's already. Uh, announced that he wants to challenge Walter and, and face him, which is going to be it's going to be an incredible uh, main event on night one, uh, a match that could you know set the tone for the entire tournament really, as far as memorable stuff goes. And again, if if this is the place where where David Starr finally gets to beat Walter, I'll be very proud to say that I was I was there in the building for it. There's also uh, on night two, Absolute Andy and Bobby Guns, which is a a stroke of genius there really for the WXW World Title. Uh, um, they know that there's going to be a lot of Europeans uh, flying out. Unfortunately, you're not making this one, are you? Lee? You're not going to be out there. Um, but you were out there for tag league. You saw the reaction that Bobby Gunn's got. Just imagine how molten this place is going to be uh, with him getting a title shot here. Yeah, I, I sadly won't be there for Carrot, but I know a lot of Irish and UK folk are going to be there, and I can just imagine that mm. it it might not quite get to the level of Ilya and Bobby but then again it might blow it away because <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot more Irish and UK folk than there was at Tag League and I mean like you said it's absolutely genius from WXW to get Bobby to the title match on Saturday night um, going in with Star Walter on the first night and then the big title match on the second night I mean it's just it's the best bit of booking they've done in a long time to be honest yeah yeah, things haven't been hugely interesting since Tag League, I would say. Um, mm. Like, I think the, the lack of having Shotgun has kind of killed my interest a little bit in following you know, WXW week to week and, and month to month. But yeah, once they start announcing stuff like that, yeah, I think this one, you know, getting to see Bobby Guns in a, not, not an interim title match, a proper title match. Mm. And like you say, with even more of the, the, the English and Irish out there, I think it's, that's got me really excited. The fact that, you know, ambition is happening and the ambition lineup's kind of interesting, you know, instead of, it's not a lot of people in the tournaments, you know, Erie is in there, but it's, you know, names like uh, Punk, 
drunk, punch drunk Istria and Rico Bushido and just interesting names. A kids in there uh, in the mm-hmm. ambition tournament. Uh, Danny Jones is going to be out there. Chris Ridgeway, you know, getting getting to do something that uh, I'm sure he's uh, wanted to do for a long time. I saw him in the in Tetsujin's tournament, and I think everyone can can recognize his style is going to absolutely fit ambition. I think that's a, a really interesting thing they're doing in the afternoon. There's the the famous after party that's going on. There's the the Oberhaus at Open Two. The the big bowler tournament on Friday night that I'll be taking part in too, uh, and also cheap plug a, a live podcast marathon that me and the indie corner compatriots uh, Joe and JP for our spotlight podcast will be part of too. Um, yeah, it is just as it as for, we say it all the time, but as far as big weekends in European wrestling, in a lot of ways, if you can't make it out to WrestleMania weekend, this is like a a mini version of our equivalent because there's just so much going on, uh, wrestling Deutschland going on as well with all different promotions uh giving one featured match uh imagine that in brit res the the politics that tear that thing apart uh, that's going on on saturday too there's just so much to look forward to i just can't believe it's it's only two weeks away i mean you mentioned that bowling tournament is it the two sarahs that run that and uh or just one of them it's the two series of the uh, of the uh, the Sarah and Sarah podcast on uh, on Voices of Wrestling. Yeah, they put it together. It's just them. Uh, there's, no, there's no conspiracy. They put together the uh, the tournament <laughs> the first time. Uh, but you know, to be to, to to their credit, this time it is featured on the WXW schedule. And even even Kevin Owens tweeted about it after he did that bowling vignette on Raw, teasing that he might be there for the Oberhaus and Open Two. Uh, it seems unlikely, but if he wants to team up and, and be my partner, last time I had Julian Nero and. Uh, I don't want to sell him out, but yeah, I think I'd, uh, I'd definitely take uh, Kevin Owens as a bowling partner, uh, even if he is going to throw a, a few gutter balls. Yeah, from from say, what... that's the problem, isn't it? He, he, we already saw he's got balls on Raw, so yeah, he might uh, <laughs> might be thinking of a better partner there, Benno. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, yeah. I'm not too good myself either, so yeah. Maybe we could just sit off and have a beer. That'd be cool. <laughs> and um, also, I mean, Progress have got a show this weekend, Chapter 84, and... Um, Full cards uh, announced for that. We've got Swords of Essex, the tag champions taking on Aussie Open, Millie McKenzie against B Priestley, Ginny against Nina Samuels, Mark Haskins and Mark Andrews against Do Not Resuscitate, Trent Sevens uh, having an Atlas Open challenge, Travis Banks against Jordan Devlin, and then uh, we've got uh, the Progress Championship, Mount Walter against Chris Ridgway. And uh, before I ask you about this uh, lineup, uh, Benno, I mean, Lee, we had. Um, we had a bit of a discussion on last week's show. It looks like Walter's tying everything up, maybe losing Star at uh, WXW, maybe losing the OTT belt to uh, to Devlin at Scrapamania. I mean, uh, do you think Ridgeway's the guy to dethrone Walter as a progress champion? Seems to be a lot of chatter about that lately. I, I'm a fan of Riddy. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ridgeway. I think he needs to have a, a good year this year to really break out. But it would be odd to put the title on him now in progress. It, it doesn't seem like it's been built to properly. I know he had that really good match with Jordan last year, didn't he? Wasn't that in progress? Yeah, that was, yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, it would be an odd one. Now, that's not to say it's not possible. Mm. I mean, he is a non-contracted guy, so there's no reason he can't beat Walter. Mm. Um, it's not what I do. I think they need to build to a kind of a bigger match to get the title onto somebody else, maybe build somebody up over the next couple of chapters and have it finished up by WrestleMania weekend, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the match. It's a match I'm definitely going to watch as Walter, and really, uh, it should be a great match. Uh, Travis and Jordan on the undercard is a... 
a bit of inspired booking, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've seen that somewhere before. <laughs> um, the rest of the car, I mean, Swords of Essex and Aussie Open, that should be pretty great, shouldn't it? And obviously you have the two women's matches, which is unusual for progress. Yeah, one of <laughs> um, second, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and then what was Trent Seven Open Challenge? I mean, depending on who it is, I wouldn't be surprised to see him drop the title because his title run hasn't really been anything to write home about at all. Oh, interesting, that one. And plus, um, it's kind of uh, been dried up for uh, challenges as well, Benno. I mean, we discussed on the last show, we could think who would face him and we were uh, struggling to come up with any names, weren't we, really? Yeah, still in the same boat, really. I don't know who it could be, but yeah, I think I agree with Lee that it's it wouldn't be the worst thing if they, they took that belt and did something else with it. Um, but what that is, really, I think that's the problem when you've got a, a belt that's art- artificially uh, hamstrung by a, by a weight limit. Uh, who can you actually bring in and do for I saw people floating the idea of it being Zack Sabre Jr. in progress on Twitter saying that, well, no, you've got to be over 205. But I don't know, if TK Cooper's over 205, uh, you know, <laughs> It's possible for Zack Sabre. He's he's a tall, lanky boy. It's a it's a possibility. Uh, but yeah, that that should be interesting. And if anything, that sort of Essex and Aussie Open tag yeah. on the show. That's the mm-hmm. one that that I'm really interested in seeing. I think we'll get Aussie Open on. Um, I'm sure they'll take that feedback from your call on board. And I think if Swords of Essex is going to lose the belts, it it could potentially happen here as well. Back to Aussie Open. So I think that thing is going to steal the show, if nothing else. And it looks like a a solid, uh, if not absolutely spectacular lineup from progress there yeah i think it's a, a pretty decent lineup and like you said that tag match should be a uh, fantastic and um just sticking with progress they've also announced today that uh, they're making the return to manchester for uh, chapter 92 in a double header in july running in newcastle the day before progress's first time in newcastle in the history of the promotion i mean they've kind of stayed away from there because uh sort of like Defiant and What Culture Before Them, that's kind of like their home turf and then ICW ran a lot of shows in Newcastle, but obviously, you know, they're um, ICW and Progress all under the same sort of NXT UK WWE banner now, I guess, aren't they? But uh, yeah, Benno, interesting that Progress are uh, heading to Newcastle for the first time. Yeah, start the pack rumours now. Uh, it's, uh, it's why can't they bring pack in? Uh, I, I don't see a reason why they can't. Uh, maybe, maybe he's too far, too too tied down to defiance in that area of the world. Maybe, maybe not. But that's what it screams to me. Um, that that that's the show you do that up. But again, yeah, they probably they'll end up with all the the booking headaches. Never mind the WWE headache that uh, that everyone else is having. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad they're coming back to Manchester. Um, July is a, a long way to wait from. Uh, the last show in in november but you know we're getting we're getting another show um i think it's a good thing if they they've been teasing they were going to announce a couple of northern ish shows uh in the second uh quarter of the year so uh in fact this counts as third quarter wouldn't it but it's good that it, it, they are at least coming back now um i think that's a that's manchester has been a real popper for progress so i can only imagine you know if they they went a whole year without going there i think that'd be a be a real mistake uh, you know seven eight months is is bad enough so i'm glad they've announced it i'll be going um it'll just be interesting to see uh, what progress we have at that point but uh yeah a weekender with newcastle bit of a distance between the two can't see myself doing both but i'm sure uh, fans in the northeast uh, will be made up that uh, the progress are coming up there 
And uh, lastly, before we get out of here, uh, Insane Championship Wrestling out of Scotland have uh, their first big show of the year on Sunday, the Square Go, their annual Royal Rumble-style event. Um, so on top of the 30-man Square Go Rumble, they've also announced they'll have uh, Kayleigh Rose, the ICW Women's Champion, taking on Tony Storm. They've got uh, ICW Tag Champs, the POD Rampage, Brian Ashton-Smith taking on Aspen Faith and Lewis Gervin. Uh, Zero G Championship, Joe Coffey against Ilya Dragunov. And then um, for the World Heavyweight Championship, they've got champion Lionheart taking on Angelico. And uh, Lee, is ICW uh, a promotion you've had a chance to uh, check out much of? No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually avoid them. Um, yeah, I, I talked to Andrew Sinclair, who covers them for VOW a lot, and his reviews do not, uh, do not make me want to watch the shows, I'll put it that way. <laughs> Um, yeah no I haven't watched any ICW in a long time I don't know why anyone would to be honest yeah unless you've got a a podcast to cover them on (laughs) oh no no, you're going to make me watch Square Go aren't you man (laughs) anyway I mean obviously these were the first uh, promotion to sort of like you know take off in sort of this quote-unquote UK boom, but they've really fallen off. I mean, I know you've never been a fan, Benno, sort of like they've really fallen off sort of past two or three years, but I mean, that championship match seems really uninspired to me. I think Kayleigh Ray and Tony Storm will have a, a, a cracking match. I thought Kayleigh Ray had a, a great match against Viper on uh, Fear and Loathing, but that was a lone highlight of that show, but yeah, but, I mean, Lionheart against Sanghelico is hardly the most inspired booking. And I know it's not the main event. I know that's the 30-man rumble. But, yeah, looking down that card, it's not exactly screaming out to you, is it, really? It's not. Um, yeah, I mean, there's never been a time where I've really been into ICW. So <laughs> it's hard for me to recognize that it's got worse because I think it's always been crap. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry, I've been very negative on this show, haven't I? Um, yeah, it's... It just doesn't interest me as a product. If it's just the 90s throwback nature of it, um, isn't that interesting? And I just think that, yeah, I know they've got, you know, they've got putting all their eggs in, in a Joe Coffee shaped basket doesn't inspire me. And yeah, you know, the, the heavy use of the likes of Lionheart doesn't inspire me. So yeah, I can't see them making another fan with me uh, anytime soon. Uh, I did laugh. I saw somebody say the other day that, uh, cause progress are doing, uh, they did the 70 show. They're doing that 80 show. And so hopefully uh, next year they're going to do a 90 show and you could just basically call it ICW. Cause that's, that's what ICW is. Um, yeah. It's not a product for me at don't see that changing anytime soon but yeah i'm sure for our sins martin we'll uh we'll give it another go and i'm i'm sure we'll be talking it on this podcast uh sometime soon and uh yeah but just before i head out of here um lee where can people uh check out your writing you were uh, cover ott on voice of wrestling right yeah i still cover the big shows for bow the ott big shows the kind of stadium shows and i'll be doing a review of homecoming too as well at some stage this week uh if you want to follow me on twitter it's at malone underscore 713 where i give out all my kind of mild takes and i also do a wcw thunder podcast where myself and dave ryan will watch all of wcw thunder so you don't have to and that's <laughs> that's at uh, WCW Thunderpod on Twitter, and then all our links are obviously on there as well. So, if you want to check that out, do because we need a reason to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, wow, that is quite the undertaking, Thunder. <laughs> 
Uh, but in Benno, um, you've had some stuff on the Indie Corner, and have you got any stuff coming up in Fighting Spirit uh, coming up this month? Uh, nothing in Fighting Spirit, but yeah, as far as uh, I did the Progress Year Review myself and Suit Williams recorded it last month. It's uh, available on the Indie Corner feed now. I think it's uh, due to land soon on the PW Ponderance feed. And yeah, we went through the entire year of Progress, um, went through show by show and uh, and talked it all through. Uh, some of it was much needed therapy and some of it when you revisit it, it was like, ah, oh, that was better than I remembered. So please, yeah, do check that out. It's uh, available right now on the Indie Corner feed. And you can also check out my other pop podcast uh, spotlight on the indycorner.com and, uh, and of course post wrestling forum forum.postwrestling.com leave us all your feedback for this week's show and uh, yeah thanks for listening we'll be back on the 6th of March with a review of progress chapter 84 and much more <laughs>